RadioCalusa.com. Welcome to the February episode of A Garden Runs Through It, a podcast of the UC Master Gardener Program of Calusa County, produced by RadioCalusa.com. I'm Jerry Hernandez, your host and coordinator of the Calusa County Program. On today's episode, I'm joined by Penny. Penny, tell me something about yourself. Well, I have lived in Calusa County for about 25 years and I've been a master gardener since 2014. I live on 10 acres with my 12 or 14 sheep, two horses, a big dog, and a big garden. I've grown orchids since about 1995, and I also have a greenhouse, which makes growing those orchids much, much easier. I retired from UC Davis after 33 years of service, and I'm now the librarian at the Arbuckle Branch of the Calusa County Library. So come see me any Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Before we get to her topic, which is orchids, let's talk about gardening chores and upcoming events. February brings some gardening chores. What should we be doing in our garden this month? Well, for me, it's time to clean up and get ready for spring. I need to pull out the last of summer's tomatoes, peppers, and okra plants. And the birds have stripped all the seeds off the hedge of sunflowers I plant every year for them. So those need to go too. I also need to sort out and stack the tomato cages that I use to support my pepper plants and the concrete reinforcing wire cages that I use to house my tomatoes. Check out the Master Gardener Demo Garden at the Williams Education Village to see the cages in action. This is also a good time to be mulching your garden and to add organic matter to keep the weeds from sprouting. Things like leaves and glass clippings always work. And at my house, it's shavings and manure from the barn, so they have plenty of time to age and decompose and the earthworms can do their thing before I get in there in March and April to plant the veggies. And since our summers are so hot, this is also a good time to plant things like snow peas and sweet peas. You might also get in an early crop of broccoli or Brussels sprouts, as well as kale and chard. Both my kale and chard have overwintered, but every mature leaf has been perforated by the birds as they've gone after the aphids. I have to pick the leaves pretty small before the aphids get to them if I want any for myself. And ornamental-wise, now is the time to finish pruning your roses and things like crepe myrtles. I noticed bare root roses in stores recently, so planting them now gives them a chance to establish their root systems before things warm up and they really get going and growing in the spring. I've got some new ones ordered from a mail order catalog, so I'm waiting for those bated breath. I know, that sounds so fun. I love roses. I had 100 rose bushes at one point in time. I had 20. I have 18 now. I'm, I'm about half that now. It was just too much work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Especially the pruning part. Yes. So visit our demonstration garden in Williams at the Education Village. The winter garden has sugar peas, broccoli, and cabbage. And we've even harvested some cabbage and cauliflower. You are invited to visit the garden at any time this winter. We will be at the Clusa Farm Show February 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And we're so excited about that. And that's held at the fairgrounds every year, right? It's at the fairgrounds, yes. So, Penny, you said you're going to talk about orchids. So, tell us about orchids. Orchids grow everywhere from the equator to the Arctic Circle and from sea level to the tops of mountains. You can find an orchid just about anywhere if you want to hard enough. 
Wow. I've grown them for, oh, probably 55 or 60 years now. You were a baby, right? Right, right. Since I've grown them for so many years, I often get questions about how to be successful with orchids as houseplants. The American Orchid Society's website has lots of free information, but in general, the orchids you see as houseplants need bright filtered light. Think of a south-facing window that does not get direct sun, and more humidity than most homes provide. Think Hawaii or Florida, and they're really happy there. You can create a microclimate with a pan of water with a cookie cooling rack on top, This keeps the pot out of the actual water, which helps keep the roots dry and not rot. Never ever leave the pot sitting in water and never use ice cubes to water your plant. There are some tags with your plants that you buy at the store and they say, oh, give it one ice cube a week. You know, if you lived in the tropics, would you want anybody to put ice cubes on your toes? Nope. Not a good idea. How often to water your plants depends on what your plant is potted in. Many orchids come potted in sphagnum moss, and the moss holds moisture for a long time. So you really don't have to water more than maybe once every 10 to 14 days. And that just makes most people crazy. They think, you know, it's a tropical plant. It needs lots of water, but not really. But once that moss does dry out, it's very hard to get it wet again. And your plant might actually float if you set it in a sink of water. If so, you might have to hold your plant in the sink for a few minutes to uh, get that moss to moisten up again. But then next time, water a few days sooner. Try also not to get water in the top of the plant, because rot can be a problem if the water sits there for very long. If you do get it wet by accident, use the corner of a tissue or a Q-tip to soak up that water so it doesn't stay there very long and you'll be fine. Bark is another common potting medium. Most orchid growers that use bark soak it overnight before using it because it can be so, so dry right out of the bag. In general, the thicker the roots on your plant, the bigger the chunks of bark you'll want to use, and the more frequently you will water. The thinner roots, the smaller the chunks, and the less frequently you would water. Beware of basic potting soil. It is simply not a good choice for orchids. It's important, too, to repot your orchids every year or two because the bark or moss breaks down over time. I generally tell people, if the potting mix works for you, don't change it. If you're doing okay with moss, keep your plant in moss. If it's in bark, keep it in bark. To repot, just take your plant out of its pot, and you might have to jiggle the roots around a little to get it to loosen up. Then gently remove whatever potting material is still there. Take a look at the roots and remove any that are not healthy, and then gently tuck the plant back into an appropriate size pot and put in the new material. Depending on the condition of the roots, you may need to stake the plant to hold it in place until the new ones can get in there and give it some support. It's important to know what healthy orchid roots look like. The ones you generally see in the nurseries and the big box stores are called Phalaenopsis hybrids, and they're generally epiphytes. That means they grow on something, not a parasite that would grow in them, but they would grow on branches and trunks of trees in a tropical setting. Their roots are like a string with sponge around it. The string gives the roots strength and the sponge absorbs the frequent rains and holds the moisture around the root so that the plant can use it later. A healthy orchid root will be white when it's dry and light green when it's wet. And the very tip of the root where it's growing will be shiny and green all the time and try really hard not to damage those root tips. And if you need help with your orchid, stop by the library anytime and I'll give you a consult.
If someone gives you an orchid from a grocery store, what do you do? Personally, I usually take it right out of the pot to take a look at those roots because those plants have been raised commercially by the bazillions. Mm-hmm. And once they're in a blooming stage, they're put in a plastic sleeve and they're put in a big box and they're shipped to the grocery stores or the big box stores. And you have no idea what the condition of the roots in that little pot are. And no roots, no plant. So if you slip it out of the little plastic pot and take a look, and those roots are nice and soft and green, and they're not brown and mushy and looking rotten, you're good to go. Slip it back in the pot and enjoy those flowers. If they look brown and mushy, take it back to the store and start again. You're fighting a losing battle at that point. Now, you belong to an orchid society. Which one is it? I belong to the Sacramento Orchid Society, and they meet the first Wednesday of the month over in Sacramento, pre-COVID. They're doing everything virtually at the moment. I also belong to the North Valley Orchid Society, and they're based out of Chico, and they're not meeting either at this moment because of COVID. There's lots of orchid shows that go on. There's one in San Francisco in February. They're holding it this year. And I don't know what their COVID protocols are going to be, but I'm COVID wary, so I'm not going this year. There's a really big one in Santa Barbara in March. It's been canceled for this year. And the Sacramento group usually puts one on in April. And they're not going to do it this year, I don't think. They haven't Mm -hmm. made that decision yet. It's leaning towards maybe not. But orchid shows are really fun. You get to see all sorts of plants that you wouldn't see normally. There's lots of shopping. Nothing like orchid shopping. Fun, fun. That's one thing I have not gotten into yet is orchids. You know, I'm always kind of leery. But now with your tips, maybe I can make one live for a little longer. Well, and you don't have to feel bad about it if it dies. Because they are produced commercially by the bazillions using Uh tissue culture. It's not like when the explorers from England went off to the jungles and collected plants by the thousands and shipped them home in a boat that took nine months and half of them were dead before they got there. Mm -hmm. They're just not collected that way anymore. There's international agreements about, you know, collecting plants and keeping them where they belong in in nature. So I am uh, pruning roses. You know, I have 18, so it takes me a little while and I never seem to go out and just do it. It's always just a few every day. And, you know, believe it or not, the last leaf finally fell from my trees. So I still have a few leaves to rake up. But a lot of times I leave them in the flower beds and they, they're mulch. I have good. some big uh, crepe myrtles, not crepe myrtles, fruitless mulberries. That's what I have. And they still have leaves on them. And my leaves go straight onto the front yard. I took out my lawn. I have nothing but chips out there, so I yeah. don't care if I rake them anymore. I have hardly any lawn, too, and so I just leave the leaves except where I walk. Great mulch. Helps with the weeds. Yes. Even though right now I'm not sure you would notice that at my yard. Mine either. <laughs> yeah, but it does help. I know that. Let's see. I've got other things, you know, on my perennials except for the lavender all need to be pruned back. And So what's going on with you? My bulbs are coming up. I have paper white narcissus in bloom. I've got daffodils coming up and the freesias are going nuts. I I keep them in pots so that when they're blooming, I can bring them on the deck and they can just color the deck up from one end to the other. 
And then when they're all done, they go out behind the greenhouse and just be dry all summer and come back yeah. again for next year. Freesias smell like spring to me. You get a nice warm breeze across them and you smell it and you just think spring. I also have violets. Uh-huh. When my, my husband's mother died, I collected violets from her back door and planted them in my flower beds. And so my entire flower bed is based in these beautiful purple violets all spring. Wow. That's really cool. I guess, like saying, I really love their fragrance. But I have a favorite rose, too. I was given a rose bush for a housewarming gift when I moved to Arbuckle in 1996. It's called Bill Warriner, and it's a floribunda, so it's fairly small, and the flowers are small, but it makes a lot of them. It is this beautiful peachy apricot, and believe it or not, right now, freezes in the morning, it is covered in flowers, Mm -hmm. but it's not made anymore. It's such an old hybrid. Yeah that you can't find it commercially. But I found a a company in Oregon that actually has had it in the past. Uh And I called them up. They didn't have any in stock, but I said, I have one. And they said, gee, would you like to provide some material and we'll propagate it? And I said, oh, you betcha. So we're going to see how that's going to work out. Good. I've never, I've never done this before, but you know, I really like this rose bush. I'd put six of them in if I could. They're just yeah. one one cutting, and you have a Martha Stewart bouquet, and they're just a real hit. So on our Facebook page, we do have two videos on pruning roses. One's for your basic hybrid tea, Florabunda, Grandiflora, and then the other one is on climbing roses. So um, go to our Facebook page, and we reposted them recently, and you could see Two different people showing you how to prune roses. Cool. For more information or insightful tips and gardening hints, visit the Master Gardeners of Calusa County on Facebook or visit our website, cecalusa.ucanr.edu. And remember to come see us at the farm show, too. Remember to sign up for our monthly gardening newsletter. A link will be in the notes of the show. If you have a gardening question, send an email to glhernandez at ucanr.edu. Penny, thank you for joining me on another episode of our podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to A Garden Runs Through It, a podcast of the UC Master Gardener Program of Calusa County, produced by RadioCalusa.com. Until next time, keep your hands dirty. <laughs>